Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Joe Collins coming in from California. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me, Joshua. I'm glad to have you here. I'm going to introduce you a bit to, I'm here in New York City, you're in California, you're running for office there. And so here's a bit about you. This is from your page. Joe Collins' 13 years of patriotic service with the United States Navy has instilled into him a strong sense of duty, commitment, and leadership. Joe's formulative years growing up in South Central Los Angeles has braced him for his new role, becoming the next U.S. representative for California's 43rd Congressional District to be the impact voice of change for his beloved community. Now, how we met was we were both on MAGA Media together as panelists. And at the time, I wasn't really sure of your politics. The topic we were on was if Black men struggle more than most and if white men are privileged. So we, you're Black, I'm white. We were talking, coming at a different angle. But then I went to your site and I learned much more about your background. And I'm going to link to a very compelling video where you show the disconnect between the current representation and the conditions of the district. And even after going through a lot of your stuff, it was very, I had to work to find out your party. It's very nonpartisan. And as far as I could tell, you love your district. And it really feels much more something about community and family than anything else. And I thought, oh, here I was looking for someone partisan. <laughs> and I'm going to read a couple of quotes underneath the video. It said, I don't care if, if the man is Republican or Democrat, I would vote for him. Hands down, he truly seems like he really cares. And another one said, I don't even live in America and I want to vote for this guy. <laughs> Another person said, I'm ghost white and a former Democrat. I would vote for Joe Collins. He cares about the dignity and humanity of the people. And the context I'm coming to is in New York City, where there's a big mayoral race coming up. And so I've had a couple of candidates there. Well, I've just talked a bunch and I should really get a chance for you to share. I mean, I only read the beginning of your, of your bio and it talks a lot about the Navy and it talks a lot about what it was like growing up in South Central. And maybe you could share that growing up and the transformation to, not transformation, the evolution to, to represent your district. Okay. I'll start off by this, though. The reason why I'm, I'm so nonpartisan on, on a lot of issues is because I, I feel like people's political party perspective is their own opinion. And I don't feel like the political party perspective has anything to do with uh, being able to grow the community or create policies that are going to benefit the people in the community. Because a lot of times, like people don't understand, Democrats are struggling just as much as as Republicans and independents and, and whatever political party that you align with, I think people always put their party over the people instead of doing what's right for the people first and, and the party second, which creates a whole lot of conflict. But um, from South Central Los Angeles, I was born and raised there. Uh, I was a knucklehead when I was a kid. Uh, growing up, I did, you know, get into game banging and everything. And um, our house was shot up in a drive-by, actually. And uh, my mom moved us out of California to um, to Texas. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I started game banging was because my uncles did it. And it wasn't something that I thought about. It was something that just came natural because I was the environment that I had uh, grew up in. Those were my influencers at the time. And so finished high school in Texas at uh, Ferris High School. Um, actually, I dropped out of high school and I went to junior college and I got my credits to be able to graduate high school early. And so uh, after that, I was working at Walmart, continuing to go to junior college, and I ended up joining the Navy. And I didn't join the Navy because I was patriotic or I had some, some sense of duty to serve or something like that. I joined the Navy because the recruiter was cute. She came into Walmart, <laughs> and I was actually uh, I was trying to hit on her. And uh, we exchanged numbers the ripe old age. Uh, uh, you know, I just turned 18. We had exchanged numbers. And um, she sent me a text message that said, 
uh, hey, why don't you come have lunch with me at the office tomorrow? And I'm like, yes, I got it. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to get this guy in, in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, went to the office. We had Whataburger. And next thing I know, I was at MEPS picking a job. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was at boot camp. And uh, my mom didn't know I had joined the military. She's actually pissed. And they came to pick me up to go to boot camp is when she found out that I had joined the military. But, you know, I told my mom, I'm, I'm 18 years old and I got to try to figure it out for myself. And so um, joined the military. And I think my sense of uh, patriotism grew as I spent time in the Navy. Um, I became a Republican in 2004 after I joined the military. And that was because you know, you turn 18, now you can vote, you have money, you got a paycheck, now you got to pay taxes, and now it's time to get involved politically. So I became a Republican because of the history of the Republican Party. It was predominantly started by, by a Black man as an anti-slavery, the Freedom Party, limited government in your life, and you have the ability to, um, to work as hard as you want and develop the type of lifestyle or create the type of wealth that you want for yourself, for your family. And, um, you know, the Christian values, those things will resonate with me. So that's when I became a uh, Republican. And I got out of the military at the end of uh, 2017 to get involved in politics. I actually became a presidential candidate at the beginning of uh, 2017. And uh, the military allowed me to get an administrative separation, general of the honorable dis- uh, conditions discharge, and, um, you know, took off my with my political career. I ended up running against Maxine Waters because when I got out of the military, I was trying to get my benefits. And the elected representative at the time was Maxine Waters. And you would think that, you know, she actually represents as she says she does, but, but she doesn't. Um, I was homeless. I was sleeping outside at Rancho's Palos Verdes. I have children. So I was using my money to take care of my kids. So I ran through my savings pretty quick, but um, I wasn't offered any help by Maxine Waters. And so filed a lawsuit against the military. Magically, my benefits came through and I uh, let the lawsuit drop and started the political career uh, running against Vaccine Waters because I feel like, you know, regardless of your political party preference, people in the community absolutely deserve better than a leader who is only going to represent you if it benefits her. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I'd like to go, you'd said kind of casually, maybe the Navy increased my patriotism a little bit, but it sounds like a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, when you're running you're going to show patriotism, but it didn't look like a show. It looked like your patriotism increased a lot. And yes. your bio t- tells a lot about your experience in the Navy. And was that the only thing that increased your patriotism or was there more? And can you walk through how that came about? So I spent my whole adult life in the military, the whole decision uh, making process. When you first join the Navy, you don't really understand what your mission is, you know, but the more you move up in rank, and the more responsibilities you get, the more young sailors you get coming up under you and you have to, you having to explain this mission as you see it from the commanding officer who's getting the mission, from the base commanding officer who's getting this mission, from the uh, Department of Defense. You start to see a lot of things that normal civilians don't get to see or experience a lot of things civilians don't get to experience. And once you start to understand the reason why or the mission of the military, then you start to grow a lot of pride in it. Like, you know, we're protecting other countries. We're protecting the interests of the United States and other countries. We are protecting our home front. We're ensuring that, you know, terrorists doesn't come over here and and destroy our way of life. We're ensuring that countries who want to experience freedom and some form of democracy or get an opportunity to experience that. uh, I wish we can do it in a more diplomatic way. To where the United States isn't policing the entire world, but, you know, that comes with leadership. But, you know, just having a pride, you know, it, it develops a, a sense of pride, 
uh, sense of courage for this company. I am a combat uh, veteran, been overseas, and um, that further boosted my pride for this this country. And uh, that's where the whole sense of patriotism comes from. And that's something that, you know, after you've been to war, you, you fought, you see friends die, uh, you see people who have lost everything, you've lost things, uh, fighting for this country. Those are things that you absolutely can't take away from any service member who serves. So that's where that, that true sense of patriotism comes from. Signing a contract, saying, I'm going to put my life on the line for this country at any given moment and fight against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So, And you, before that, you were gangbanging. You were a member of a gang. I, presumably, there's an appeal to that as well. And if you're going to represent a district that has a lot of that going on, I imagine one of the big appeals for you is that, and by the way, if people don't know it, like I don't really know what's going on in South Central LA. I'm, I'm way outsider. I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away. <laughs> if we hadn't both been on that panel together, I wouldn't know you. So I may ask questions I don't really know, but I'm curious and I'm an American and and I'm patriotic. You know, I love this country as well. If you're going to be representing a district with a lot of gang violence, then there's going to be appeal to people that you probably experience. You're going to yeah. know there's some appeal to that group and there's a different appeal to the Navy and there's going to be a different appeal to Congress. How does it, I mean, what's the appeal of, of being in a gang? How does, if you're there, how can you, I, I would guess, speak to people so they feel understood, so they don't have to find understanding and support from outside the law. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's almost one and the same. You know, people join a gang for protection, for a sense of belonging, for uh, job opportunities, to have a, a team with you so you don't have to be by yourself, you know. And just like the military, people join the military because of a job, a sense of belonging, uh, pride for this country, and that that protection that you have. The only difference is the military actually serving a positive purpose and, and game banging is only temporary. You're only going to end up in jail or dead once you, once you're game banging and everything that you've acquired through, uh, living that lifestyle. It's all temporary. It, it, it never stays. Not a good pension. Maybe probably no, better benefit, better <laughs> retirement benefits. I tell people that all the time. Like you spend 30 years game banging, you have absolutely nothing to show for it. You know? don't own nothing, didn't buy any businesses, didn't do nothing with the with the money that you made while, you know, living that life. And you end up worse off than you were with if you started. Do you go around the district now talking to people uh, who are where you were? I mean, you're in the office right now, so I can't tell if you're there right now. Yeah, uh, I do. What's that like? It just depends. You know, if I was a Democrat, I think it'd be, it'd be easier, but I'm a Republican. And so people want to talk about how Republicans are racist. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm a Republican. I'm nowhere near racist. But uh, it's, it's just different. I think once we drill down to the economics of living in a district, that's where people want to want to talk to me. You know, when it comes to how can we build jobs? What do I think about the education system? What do I think about the homelessness? How can we create pathways to fix this? How can we create more jobs so we can get people off the streets? And And these are things that people want to hear. That's why you see that the majority of things I do is nonpartisan because I don't feel like there is any Democrat or Republican message that I can preach that will 100% make people believe that, you know, I'm the guy that's going to help them out. And so I stick to what's important to people, but I always keep it authentic. I always tell people the truth. I don't never beat around a bush because I'm afraid to tell them the good and the bad. Um, and people respect it a lot. So it makes it a lot easier. You said it's easier. I mean, I, I'm still thinking of like people come having to explain yourself and do they get it? Is it, and what are some things that you, can you share some things that you've done 
Oh, in the district? Yeah. Oh, we've done we've done tons of things. We've we've done uh, food drives. We've given over three hundred thousand pounds of food away all last year. We did uh, back to school drives, gave away school supplies and um, and food to families in the communities. We did backpack drives. We gave over thirty seven thousand backpacks away. One of the biggest things that we did that I'm extremely proud about is we did a lot of hiring fairs where we work with other companies to come to South LA and and actually hire people from the community on the spot. And I think that was one of the best things that we've been able to do. We've partnered with a lot of organizations to do food drives so we can make sure that we're taking care of the community. Being a positive influence, we've hired over 200 kids to work on our campaign throughout the summertime because we know that times were rough and we were really fortunate to be able to raise a lot of money so we can hire these kids. And so I thought that was pretty cool too. They had a really good time uh, working at our campaign events. This is so refreshing to hear because, I mean, people say, oh, politics are local, but I don't see a lot of politicians doing local things. This winter, <laughs> yeah. people who listen to my podcast a lot know that I pick up garbage every day because yeah. it's not like a big deal. I'm not saving the world this way, but I'm cleaning my neighborhood. And it's leading to, that's what brought a bunch of mayoral candidates to me and a Senate candidate to come to me because they're like, how can we do this better? Yeah, we did that too. We did, we did cleanups as well. We cleaned up tons and tons of trash. But this homeless situation is so bad out here you'll never stop picking up trash. Yeah. I mean, picking up trash is like, is like spooning the water out of the flood. You got to turn off the faucets, which is a whole other issue, but that's how to get there, I think. So this winter, I remember picking up, he's running for city council and one of my uh, representatives or probably to be represented. I mean, we're picking up garbage together. That like, And it was like freezing cold this one rainy day in February and he's out there and I go out there on my own. He goes out there and brings more people. This to me, like he's got my vote. I mean, there's other issues as well. That's not the only thing. I'm thinking about your video also. It, what was it like recording on the steps of the person you're running against? Um, <laughs> that seems like a pretty lot of gumption. When I, when I got there, I was like, wow, the, the house is extremely big. The house, mm-hmm. That's all I could think about. The house is huge. And, you know, people in the district don't live like that. You know, that house is extremely huge. It's really nice, very wonderful neighbors. Great atmosphere. There is no homeless. There is no violence. There's no people speeding up and down the streets. There are no people hanging out. This is a really beautiful neighborhood. And then you come back, you know, towards South LA, and it's just like people have uh, bars on their gates, bars on their windows. You see people hanging out on the corners. Uh, might be a drive-by shooting. Just the homelessness everywhere. Like our community is just. It, it looks extremely bad compared to her house. And I was just, you know, extremely amazed. I was like, you know, people got to see this. They got to understand that, you know, Maxine gets up there and she talks her talk, but she's not living like us. She doesn't experience the same things we've experienced in a district on a regular basis. And yeah, 44 years, that's a long time for someone to be in office. Yeah, it is. The video, I think is, it's hard to tell because you're, you're running for election, uh-huh. but you're saying like, where's she done? She hasn't done anything. What has she done? Has she done anything? I don't want to get too, and feel free to not answer if, if I don't want to make it. Um, I just want to learn about you. I don't want to provoke anything. <laughs> so I'm kind of hesitant to bring this up yet, but the environment is a big thing for me mm-hmm. and sustainability. And I think it's easy for a lot of people to say, Josh, there are people who can't put food on the table. They don't know what they're going to have for dinner tonight. They don't, you know, they're homeless. They don't have jobs. There's drugs all over the place. The environment is not the first thing they're going to think about. It's not, you know, you got to really get a certain level of, of, affluence or something before you can care about stuff like that. Now, I think that one way of looking at it is like the broken windows theory, that if, if, uh, if you have a mess, then a bigger mess will form. If you have a couple of broken windows, people will commit more crimes. And 
from another perspective, certainly picking up garbage, I just do it while I'm walking. I don't go out of my way. Sadly, I don't have to spend more than one second per day to pick up several pieces of trash. I'm not saying that's going to save the world, but I think there's an opportunity that it's something that can create meaning and purpose, value, community. And right now it's doing the opposite. It's undermining these things. If we just look at litter, if we just look at um, pollution, and people will say and have said, Josh, you're out of touch. You don't get it. You don't, you got to understand what it's like for other people and you can't possibly understand. Now, we spent a couple of years in some pretty bad neighborhoods. There were no drive-bys, but there was, I got mugged a lot of times growing up. So it's not like I'm, it's totally foreign to me. Uh, it's not the situation you described, but it seems to me that there's opportunity here to, for community to improve itself at very little cost. It's maybe not a whole lot of monetary benefit at the beginning, but purpose and meaning. Do I sound increasingly out of touch the more I explain myself or does this, is there sense to any of this? No, it makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see where, where, you, where you're going here because it's making sense. I think it's, see a lot of politicians, I think they treat the environment as like, oh, this really sucks, but we got to do something. <laughs> and I think it's more like, this is an opportunity to do something on the scale we've never done before. I mean, maybe World War II of getting together and rallying together and, and finding common cause and working to, at the very base level, clean up our neighborhoods. I would love to have politicians competing with each other to have cleaner streets, like literally cleaner streets, to have less pollution. I don't know what kind of industry or what kind of smokestacks are spewing pollution into uh, South Central, but I'm going to guess that there's more asthma there than there is in Beverly Hills. And water rights and all sorts of things that I see as like big winning, winning issues. But a lot of people say, oh, Josh, you don't even know what you're talking about. People who can't put food on the table don't care about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do they care about stuff like that? Is it something that like could economically depressed neighborhoods become very clean and set standards for other places? I think that people who can't put food on the table do care about their their environment, their living environment, their environment period, the, the world. And you know, they have this saying, you you change a person's perspective and you'll change that person's life. So keeping a community clean would absolutely change everybody's life. It'll give them a sense of pride for that community and give them the ability, the, the want to, to get out and go find a, a way to improve their quality of life. So yeah, I do think that people who can't put food on the table care about where they live at, care about their environment, care about how things are going and how things are functioning around them. I think it's absolutely important. I'm not in South Central, so it's not like I'm going to walk over and be like, hey, let's all get together, clean up the neighborhood, and then use that community that we built to do the next big thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, do I sound out of touch to think that I'm getting for you that there's not, I'm not out of touch to, to have that as an idea of something for people to do? Yeah, no, not at all. Scott Pressler, his whole entire job is going around the country, cleaning up trash, cleaning up garbage. Scott Pressler does it on a regular basis. So no, it's not far-fetched. It's not out of touch at all. I think one of the biggest differences, you're in New York though. And you know, when you got the skyscrapers and the hustle and bustle, people don't think about that. And I don't, I don't think they want to. Whereas I'm in California, we don't have, uh, as many high rises um, in, in our inner cities. And so I think the environment itself is different. Yeah, I think there's, there's a common feeling in this country, in the world of a common thing I think is like, look, I pay my taxes. There's a department of sanitation. They're supposed to clean this stuff up and I'm not going to clean it up. It's not mine. But then that leads to, well, someone else littered stuff. So I'm going to drop it here and I pay my taxes. So someone should pick the stuff up. And it's 
to me, this sense of entitlement, yeah. I, I can't tell because I don't litter. So I, it's not, I'm trying to empathize with people that are doing something that I just don't do. But I feel like it's the opposite of community. It's like, I got this thing in my hand. It's a wrapper. It's a, it's a bottle from something I'm, not, I'm done with. If I hold on to it, it's a problem for me. If I drop it on the ground, I haven't made the world worse. It's just someone else's problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's, I mean, I could say the same thing for dumping pollution into rivers or all sorts of things that pollute. Uh, and people generally aren't saying, I'm going to pollute. They're thinking, well, I want to go fly somewhere or I want to do, you know, I want to get this car with really great acceleration. And the opposite of that to me is personal responsibility and stewardship. And I see a lot of that in your message. And it feels like there's a lot of overlap between stewardship of the environment, stewardship of community in other ways. Yeah. Is this something that is like, could help win elections? I think if we launch a program on like a national scale, uh, one thing that my team and I were coming up with was a um, conservative conservation program to where we figure out ways to minimize our carbon footprint uh, in the world, or at least the United States, you know, and figure out a way that we can rebuild in a manner that's going to be, how can I put environmentally friendly, Mm-hmm. You know, without taking away people's freedom to to hunt or fish or, you know, do things that they need to do on a on a regular basis. So we we haven't ironed out the details, but I think that's something that, you know, we can add more to. I'd love to hear how things go in that. If I can help with anything, let me know. Because sure. it feels to me like something that could be winning. Yeah. A winning issue. Because a lot of people are like really hard up on the environment and global warming and everything. And I think that, you know, from my position, I, I don't necessarily believe in global warming. I believe there is a global shift, though. Like the, the world is changing. The sides that are, that are frozen right now are melting and, and places that are hot are becoming cold. So it seems to me like a, like a polar shift, but I'm, I'm not an expert. But if the climate change and everything is important to people, then I think it should be important to our leaders. And we should figure out a way to, to lessen our carbon footprint without completely regulating everything and everybody in the United States. I think with technology right now, we have the infrastructure to be able to create, you know, energy from anything, even trash, you know, get the trash and turn it into uh, sustainable energy that we can use to be able to power our lives. I think it's absolutely doable. It's a start. It's not perfect. You know, it's not going to completely remove our carbon footprint, but it's absolutely going to help a little bit. Let me know if I can help with those things because it's, this is one of your passions. Okay. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act, and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. If it's okay with you, I'd like to run you through that process I described before about when you think about the environment, what do you think about? You've acted some things locally, Uh and that means something motivated you. Where did that come from? Not what your goals were to achieve, but what inside you said this is something worth doing for for the environment yeah uh i live here a lot of people jump to climate which is one thing but it's also pollution litter uh deforestation and i don't want to say just climate a lot of people think that only because that 
tends to get the front page news. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I live here and I feel that some things we can absolutely control, like pollution. We can control pollution. And I think that's something we've done a terrible job at doing is controlling pollution. You know, cleaning up the streets that like we do here in L.A. or, or across the country, it's, it's important because we live here and it makes us feel good to go clean it up and say, you know, we did a really good job. People appreciate it. Deforestation, that's another issue that I think technology uh, we could be able to mitigate. But it's just finding solutions to easy problems. So that was what you want to do. I'm thinking when, when you say you want to make things better, what's better? Like what, do you have any, anything of like what nature means to you that you want to restore or something that you're worried about happening? Usually it's like images or, or experiences that people have had that like, that's what they want to, that's what nature means to them. Mm-hmm. I would like to clean up the oceans. I really would. Mm-hmm. And I, that's important to me because I'm a fisherman and, you know, I don't want to fish in the same water that's polluted. I think it's like an, it's like an oxymoron. But if I could choose one thing to do or one thing that was extremely important to me, it would be clean up the oceans. I'm a, I'm a U.S. Navy sailor and the water's always been important to me more than anything else, because I know I know the oceans, you know. And so I think that would be uh, a task I would probably try and take on. I'm curious about the two. You had two connections with water. One was fishing and one was the Navy. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to go with the Navy. But when you said fishing, it sounded like there's a... That sounded actually deeper yeah. than the Navy thing. Mm-hmm. Is that like a family thing or what's fishing? It's something that I, that I taught myself to do. So when I was a kid, I used to you know go to the beach and, and go fishing off the pier. When I moved to Texas, I fished in rivers and lakes. And when I joined the military, I fished wherever they have water. And um, one thing I really didn't like while I was fishing is you'd be standing uh, on a rocks or on a pier, beautiful scenery, and then trash is washing up on shore. Mm -hmm. Always irritated me, especially when you're fishing off rocks and it's beautiful. You see marine life and the rocks and and the vegetation and everything, but then you see bottles and plastic bags and stuff, you know, washing up on shore. That's one of the biggest irritants I have when it comes to fishing. Like who leaves all this trash out here where where it's just it's such a it's such a beautiful scenery you know and and i'm fishing and i'm catching fish what if the fish is eating this stuff and then i ingest the fish and now i get some type of toxins from the fish who's eating the garbage out the water yeah i I don't fish so not exactly that but like what are the emotions you feel before the trash when you just it's placid or calming or like what emotions you have before that and what how does it change when you see it it's just it's beautiful you know it's calming when a breeze blows, you can just feel a breeze on your face and fresh air. It's like, it feels like freedom, you know, like real freedom. Mm. And uh, man, it's just a beautiful thing when the sun is coming up and when the sun is going down, uh, even at nighttime to hear the waves crashing against the rocks is just, it's like one of the most beautiful things in, in the entire world, in my opinion. Oh man. You made me want to go fishing almost, yep. <laughs> but it makes me think about, about hiking and biking and things. And, well, okay. Given this beauty that you talked about and how calm it is and how free it feels, I invite you, and this is at your option, to think of something to do to act on that, those, that feeling of freedom, that feeling of calmness, maybe mixed in with that feeling of ugh, when the garbage comes by and you think of the fish eating it and you eating the fish. I invite you to think of something to do to act on those feelings. And most people hear something different than I said. I'm not saying like what's the most important thing you can do or what the New York Times says to do. And it's not about the effect. It may have an effect, but it's really about acting on one's feelings. And 
just three things, not something you're already doing. So I'm not saying stop what you're doing, but not something you're already doing, not telling other people to do it. So it, a lot of people, I talk with a lot of leaders and they're like, oh, I'll get my team to do X, but this is for you to do with your own hands. And something with some, at least a, a physical, you don't have to measure it, but that in principle could be measured. So not just reading or watching a video, something that has a tangible difference. And it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. It can be big. And then if you come up with something, then I would say, could you come back on afterward and tell me how it went? And I'm also, I'm also totally fine if you'd like, hey, I'm going to do this and make a public show of it and get some votes <laughs> out of it. That's totally fine too. No, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't make public spectacles out of things. I'm almost tempted to petition a city to post, pick up your trash on the a, on a coast, on the coastlines. You know, where the, where the ocean meets the rivers, places like where, where people like to congregate that is beautiful, but they get complacent and leave trash. I almost, yeah, I want to, that's what I want to do. I want to petition the city to, to start posting signs or placards that say, please take your trash with you or, or please remove your trash on your way out or, you know, something like that. Something to, to keep people mindful that these areas are important to, to not only marine life, but people who just want to come out and enjoy some scenery. That sounds great, although it doesn't meet the thing. That's asking getting someone else to do something. Mm-hmm. So could you combine that with something that you personally do also? Um, yeah, I can take that and combine it with our, our city cleanups, our city cleanups, and we can get a lot of people to come out and help us uh, clean the beaches. So just to clarify, when you do these cleanups, you yourself are also part of them? Oh, yeah, yeah. I organize them and everything. And we get everybody from the community to come out and help clean up. And we clean up tons and tons and tons of trash. It's an all-day job, but it's pretty fun when you got a lot of people coming out to help you. Isn't it? It's, so I, did, I, I just picked up on that. It, it's, it's oddly satisfying. I, I mean, I talk about it like, oh, it doesn't take much time. But last year was the first time when, for some reason, it was last year, maybe two years ago, I was going to go to the beach for some reason, and I decided not to go. And instead, I was like, well, I still want to go outside. So I went to the park to pick up garbage. And I was like, how many people choose picking up garbage over going to the beach? And yet, it felt really satisfying. I was really glad that I did it. It was other people's garbage. And I, I have not been able to successfully communicate this to people that don't want to hear it. But some people like, actually, <laughs> I haven't told people this. I'm single. I went on a date with this girl and we were talking on the phone before meeting for the first time. And I was like, uh, you know, I go to the park and pick up garbage, blah, blah, blah. And like our first date was we met, we went to the park, and picked up garbage together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really sharing about myself. I think it was a, way, a good way to meet. It's not showing off, obviously. It's, I don't know. It, I mean, it's, it's values. What uh, what she think about it? Well, I mean, the big thing was that we didn't really match, but I mean, that was where we met. And then we got, we had a meal afterwards. She, she could have left. Yeah, that's pretty cool. My impression was that she liked me. Just we weren't romantically going to get together, but as far as like friendship, it was fine. I don't think she was put off by it. Yeah, good. So for you, if you do this, here's what I heard: is that you do cleanups, and so you do a cleanup that would have an extra component of going to the beach and picking up there, and Using that as leverage to to petition the city. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, absolutely would. Okay. Am I now? I walked you through this. Is this something you're doing for me? No, it's something that we already do. But I just never really thought to go clean up the beach. Okay. If I have you on a second time, would you be game to to share how it went? And if so, how long should we schedule? How long would it take before you can share how it went? Probably get it together. And probably probably knock it out around the beginning of May. Okay, so after we finish recording, if we could we schedule a conversation for maybe late May or June? Sure. Great. I, I really look forward to hearing how this goes. And I'm now slowly racking up the number of politicians who 
pick up garbage and do other things <laughs> and in districts far from my home. And yep. uh, increasingly, I feel like when people say, Josh, what one person does doesn't matter. I think I don't believe that anymore. It, it's just like, I think that's their excuse to not act themselves. Yeah, that's true. I remembered what I was going to ask before. And if you don't mind my backing up to before, I think a lot of people expect a politician to have a big education and all the stuff. And you described homelessness, you described crime, you described a background that I think at first glance, someone would say that makes him not a great candidate. And, but when you say it, it sounds like it makes you a better candidate. Mm-hmm. Were you scared about it? Were you, was it obvious to you? Is this, do people just, do I have preconceived notions that, that like uh, an Ivy League education is not necessarily making, making, will not necessarily make someone a better representative? Yeah, I think the the average person uh, will make a better representative than an Ivy League college grad because, you know, the sense of entitlement is already there. You graduated from Ivy League, you feel like you're above everybody and can't nobody tell you anything. And so you kind of forget about what's important to average people. And, you know, whereas you have an average person who understands the hardships of average people and they're more apt to doing things to change that environment um, if they set an office seat. You know, and so I think that's the average person makes a better politician. Now, education is absolutely important, right? And your experience, uh, whether you served in the military or experience from life, is important as well. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. I'm a licensed financial planner, sexual assault, rape victim advocate. I'm a licensed counselor, uh, and I'm in college right now for accounting. You know, as well as uh, running for office, and so all of these things together makes you the the person that you are in order to run for an office seat and be successful at it. Did you start thinking that way? Did that come to you over time? I never thought to get into politics until President Trump started, or former President Trump started running for office. That's when I started paying attention, like a lot of people. I know, you know, I served under Obama and I didn't think that Obama was the best president because being in the military, there were times we worried about, uh, are we going to get paid or are we at war and don't have the necessities in order to continue to have war? And we're not sitting out here like, Ducks, you know, are the they they're dropping money and bombs in between enemy lines, and and the service members and the enemies are getting the guns and the money um, before the U.S. military can grab it, which is so ridiculous to me. And then before that, you know, we had we had the the bushes and you know hit or miss. Some things were great, some things weren't so great. And then before that, it was Clinton, and then before that, it was another Bush. And so you know, you see all these things, and you you sort of decide the position that you want to take on a lot of things. And and for me, I want to take the position of what's best for the people. I, I think I'm going to wrap up there because I, that's really, I loved hearing what you just said. I'll ask if you, if there's anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up or anything you want to say directly to the listeners beyond what you said. Um, you know, I say this all the time. I said it before and I'll continue to say this. I think we're at a time where we have to start looking past political parties, Right your political party perspective is your own opinion and it's okay if people don't agree with your opinion or your political party but i think we have to start working together so we can uh, make the united states a better place for every single citizen of the united states well joe collins thank you very much thank you thank you for having me i appreciate it how many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment but i call the future Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, 
That's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.